0: Nice job. Nice job. the good news is finally here friends listen to me this is serious business what the world needs today is jesus the bible says in john three sixteen that for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life Hey, hello everyone. Welcome to our program, The Truth Will Say, a free Bible prophecy edition. I'm Vic Batista, along with my co host Nathan Jones, where we landline ministries. And we thank you for being part of today's program. You won't want to miss today's program that we have titled Egypt's Demise. So stay tuned and be part of today's program. Get your Bibles ready and follow along with us. But before we do so, I'm going to invite my co host Nathan Jones if he will open us up with a word of prayer.
1: Well, Lord Jesus, again, we thank you so much for the opportunity to study your word. We thank you, Lord, for your prophecies, which, and coming true, to substantiates even greater that your Bible is the word, and we can trust it. We can trust that you are the Savior and what it teaches us about you. And, uh, Lord, we know we can put our faith and trust and hope in you. We thank you, Jesus, for your word in your precious name. Amen.
0: Amen. Again, you're tuned into Our Truth to Set You Free Bible Prophecy Edition. Big Batista, Nathan Jones with Lamb, Lion, Ministry. Our program for today is Egypt's Demise, as we look at the book of Ezekiel, chapter 30. But before continuing, I want to welcome my co-host of the program, Nathan Jones. Nathan, we're living in exciting times. Yeah, we are, brother. I tell you, the world seems to be uh, pretty
1: crazy, but uh, as Jan Markell says, uh, the... Wow. Oh, wow. Just skip my mind there. Let's see. She says that the world isn't falling to pieces. Rather, the pieces are falling into place. There you go. It's a little tongue twister there, but it can be scary out there. You know, what's Russia doing with Ukraine and China rising and economics being what they are and interest rates and inflation and moral corruption and people confuse uh, what women and men are. You know, the most basic stuff. Brother, it's all been prophesied in the Bible. It says it's all gonna happen before the Lord soon return. Uh, So we know that if those things are happening as prophecy says they would, we know that the Lord coming is gonna happen just as prophecy said it would. So there's hope, right?
0: That's right, Nathan. And, And for the believers who study the word of God, these are clear signs of the times. And as we see the signs of the times, as we see things approaching, that is hope for the church because it means that the Lord is at the door. So we're not to fear, we're not to fret, But we are to be men and women of faith trusting in a loving Savior that is going to come to rescue us. And I think that's good news, Nathan. That is good news.
1: Yeah, and that's what Bible prophecy is meant to do. I was on uh, Dr. Z's uh, podcast. Uh, He's uh, got this wonderful podcast about Dr. Zimmerman. He goes by Dr. Z. And he wanted to talk about the hope that is by the Bible prophecy, the 31% of the Bible that's prophetic isn't meant to discourage us with antichrists and tribulations and demons, although that does play a part. It's meant to give us encouragement and hope that what the Lord says will happen will come true. And the Bible teaches us that Jesus Christ is coming back. He's going to defeat evil. He's going to set up his thousand-year kingdom and then into the eternal state. And we, as his children, will rule and reign with him. Brother, that is a message of hope.
0: Oh, I love that, Nathan. And, and, and speaking of hope, there's just uh, a lot of hope out there in the midst of challenges. It all depends what where our focus is. Is it horizontal or is it vertical? And Nathan, I think that as we continue to keep our eyes on the Lord, regardless of what was happening around the world around us, uh, we have hope in the Lord. I tell you, I went to Sam's Club to buy some something last uh, two weeks ago, maybe last week, Nathan, and I went to buy gasoline. And as I'm going, Sam's normally has really good prices okay. and I, and I, uh, yeah. And I, so I go to Sam's and I'm expecting regular gas prices of like, uh, you know, it was like $3 and five cents. I think, I mean, that might seem a little high, uh, now, but you know, that was normal. And I'm thinking, so I go to, to fill up my tank and I look again and it says three forty five, and oh. I'm thinking, wait a I minute, mean, am, am I putting premium? I thought I was putting premium in my tank. And then, sure enough, it's just regular unleaded gasoline. And I said to myself, "Wait a minute! Just last week it was 305. This week it was 345." And I said, "What is going on with the economy?" Uh, so then, Nathan, I went to uh, do some shopping again today, and I'm expecting to pay 345, and it was down to 305.
1: <laughs> so- <laughs> well, you, so- you know, reason for that, right? is that the price of oil and gas was artificially deflated just before the election. And I told my daughter, I said, look out, as soon as the uh, election is over, then the prices will shoot back up. And sure enough, almost a week after the election, 40 cents or more all over the place. And it's coming back down again a little bit, but uh, you know, uh, the, our administration is admitting that they're purposely restricting the supply and inflating prices. To force everybody into electric, which most of the heads of companies involving cars and electric companies, so I'd say there's not enough minerals in the world to supply the batteries uh, to run every make everything battery powered, including cars. So we live in an interesting time where uh, the Bible says that if if the people are immoral, then God will put children in charge. And he doesn't mean children as in you know youth, but mentally, emotionally, physically. Uh, they're, They're like children. They're immature. And that's what we've got all over the West. I mean, look at Joe Biden or Justin Trudeau or Gavin Newsom or Donald Trump or any of these guys. They act like children. Where are the mature statesmen, the wise, the leaders? It's a judgment against our time period that the Lord will hold back wise and judicial leadership and give us spoiled Uh, Children who have no wisdom and no guidance, who live for themselves, who live for their own power.
0: And uh, that's what we've got. Again, another sign of the end times, right? Absolutely, Nathan. And that's why you and I are very excited uh, as we go on through the book of Ezekiel, because here in the book of Ezekiel is going to bring some things to the forefront, uh, dealing with uh, different events in different time periods uh, leading up to the, the last days. And Nathan, that's why we want to encourage people to really keep their eyes on the Lord, keep their eyes on the prize, if you will. The Lord is coming back soon, and he is our hope. Uh, And also, Nathan, briefly, just in case someone maybe just tuned in through Pray.com or some other uh, media outlet to our program, but they're not familiar how to get a hold of our resources, can you share them briefly a little bit about the ministry? Absolutely. Well, you've tuned
1: in The Truth Will Set You Free, the podcast outreach of Lamb and Lion Ministries. We're a Bible prophecy teaching ministry and our mission is to proclaim the soon return of Jesus Christ. Uh, Our founder, Dr. David Reagan uh, founded the ministry on April Fool's Day, 1980. And since then, we've been fools for Christ. Uh, We're excited about the Lord's return and we wanna get other people excited about as well to prepare. Because when you know that the Lord is returning, it greatly affects the Christian. It affects them in, in three major ways. For one, it gives them motivation for holy living. Uh, two, it motivates them towards evangelism because the time is short. And three, it, it motivates them to get right with the Lord. So uh, with those three things, it's a truly wonderful thing. And it's so sad to see so many churches ignore Bible prophecy. 31% of the Bible ignored. And it's, it's a message meant to give us hope. So we're glad you're all tuned in. And we hope that our message today can give you some hope as well.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much, Nathan. And again, we are excited as we dive into the Word of God. In our last episode, we looked at Egypt's fall uh, in Ezekiel chapter 29. And as we continue in chapter 30, again, we'll look at Egypt's demise. But the interesting thing is, Nathan, the exciting thing about chapter 30 is that chapter 30, Uh, has one of those near and far and further far future prophecies. Uh, as As you read to us earlier, the Word of God sometimes does that. It will speak of an event happening at a current time and place, and then it'll kind of shoot forward and speak about something that is going to happen in the future. And that's what we're going to be looking at when it's talking about Egypt. They'll be speaking about the Egypt of the past, the Egypt of the present, and then what will happen to the Egypt of the future prophetically. So as we look at Ezekiel chapter 30, we want to invite you all to follow closely with us so that you don't miss what's going to, what's what's that transition here as we look at Ezekiel chapter 30. Nathan, would you be able to take us to chapter, uh, through chapter 30, verses one through five, and I'll pick it up in verses six through nine in case someone doesn't have a Bible? Right.
1: And unlike last episode, I will try not to read your verses. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Chapter 30, verses 1 through 5. Uh, the New King James, which I'm reading from, uh, uh, just the title is Egypt and her allies will fall. It goes, the word of the Lord came to me again, saying, son of man, prophesy and say, thus says the Lord God, wail, woe to the day, for the day is near. Even the day of the Lord is near. It will be a day of clouds. The time of the gentiles the sword shall come against egypt and great anguish shall be in ethiopia when the slain fall in egypt and they take away her wealth and her foundations are broken down ethiopia libya lydia all the mingled people Chub, and the men of the lands who are allied shall fall with them by the sword
0: mm. verse six thus says the Lord: those who Uphold, Egypt shall fall, and the pride of her power shall come down from Migdal to Syene. Those within her shall fall by the sword, says the Lord. They shall be desolate in the midst of the desolate countries, and her city shall be in the midst of the cities that are laid waste. Then they shall know that I am the Lord when I have set fire in Egypt, and all her helpers are destroyed. Verse 9, on that day, messengers shall go forth from me in ships, to make the careless Ethiopians afraid, and great anguish shall come upon them as on the day of Egypt. For indeed, it is coming. What an amazing passage, right, Nate?
1: It is, because uh, again, we're, we're giving a prophecy to, against Egypt. As we talked about, if, if you missed the last episode, we were talking about why did the Lord want to destroy Egypt? Why are they punishing them? And you have to go back to the last chapter, 29. And we learned it was because of their pride and their idolatry and how continuously the pharaoh would set himself up as a god to be worshipped, and they would entice the Israelites to come to them for help instead of going to God and trusting in God alone. So God makes his prophecy against Egypt's destruction. He also labels a a few other, Ethiopia, which exists today, there's a country called Ethiopia, uh, Libya, or uh, Put, and then Lydia, which is also known as Lud at the time, I'm going to have to look up Chubb. That's a new one to me uh, since I've read this. I don't know what Chubb is, but that's an interesting ancient name. But basically, what it's talking about is Northern Africa. So there will be judgment coming on Northern Africa for its, uh, again, idolatry, its pride. And this prophecy was about Nebuchadnezzar, at least, you know, remember we talked about how prophetic perspective. There's Some prophecies have a a near view, and once they're fulfilled, that's it. But There are other prophecies that have a near view for that time period, a far view for the church age, and an even farther view for the tribulation era. And that's what we read here. When we read the day of the Lord, it's a a reference to Joel, uh, the book of Joel, which talked about the day of the Lord, a, a day of judgment coming from God. So we know that this prophecy isn't just about Nebuchadnezzar coming and conquering these lands, there's also a far view about this happening in our day and age.
0: Nathan, and that's why we wanted to draw that out so individuals can kind of highlight when they when they read about the day of the Lord, uh, That that is a specific uh, day, a specific time period, and it's yet future. And here we find, again, this near far future type of prophecy mingled in to what's happening in the time that Ezekiel is prophesying to the, that Egypt that was in power during that time. And much like the revived Roman Empire, right, Nathan, we noticed that there was going to be a collapse in certain nations, but then they're going to be revived again in the future. And here it speaks about these nations with Ethiopia and Libya and Lydia. And again, those nations will be mentioned again through the book of Ezekiel, especially when you and I get to Ezekiel 37 and 38, as we talk about the Ezekiel, a war. We'll see these nations pop up again.
1: Yes. Yeah, so not only is there ancient ancestors uh, punished by the Lord for their sins. And that was uh, during that. We're about 600 B.C. Is, is the time of Ezekiel's prophecy here. But we're yeah, we're talking about the future. Now, it's interesting if you go back to chapter nine and uh, let's uh, scroll down here to I believe it is. Uh, this prophecy of chapter, verse 12, it says, I will make the land of Egypt desolate in the midst of the countries that are desolate and among the cities that are laid waste. Her cities shall be desolate 40 years, and I will scatter the Egyptians among the nations and disperse them throughout the countries. Now, we know historically that was achieved through Nebuchadnezzar. He he banished the people, wherever. That was the Old Testament way that empires would get rid of their enemies. They wouldn't just come into a land and defeat it, but they would take the people and spread them all throughout their conquered territories so they couldn't assemble as a nation or as a group. So they would become Assyria or Babylon. They would adopt the culture, adopt the traditions. It would water down the ethnicities and totally eliminate them. Now, it's interesting that in the thousands of years that Israel's been in exile, they've maintained their own personality, their own persona, their own faith, their own religion, It's always made them exiles wherever they go and outcasts, but no other nation has done that. I mean, so these ancient peoples were banished and we read how Egypt was banished for 40 years. Now, I don't remember, if you remember, Vic, a number of years back when the Muslim Brotherhood had taken over Egypt and then uh, the military overthrew the Muslim Brotherhood and and put, uh, I think his name is Assisi, back in charge. uh, We've learned that the number of prophecy teachers were trying to say, well, hey. This is Ezekiel chapter 29 and 30, the far interpretation that this is happening again. And some were anticipating that the Muslim Brotherhood would take over Egypt and then the Lord would send destruction and they'd be banished for 40 years. Now, how that fit in the seven year tribulation prophetic timeline and then the millennial kingdom, I don't know. But do you believe that there's any significance uh, to this day and age, to the 40 years?
0: Nathan, that's actually interesting because, um, you know, the the number 40 uh, throughout the Bible has a a significant meaning to it. Sometimes it can be judgment. Sometimes it can be uh, like when when Jesus fasted for 40 days as well as Moses. But uh, I'll be honest with you, I'm not 100 percent sure, you know, uh, regarding the 40 year period.
1: Yeah, the first I heard it was Bill Salas. He, you know, popularized the Psalm 83 war theory. He's a friend of our ministries. Uh, we haven't always agreed on some of his interpretations because we'll go into the Old Testament and apply a far and farther interpretation to every prophecy almost, it seems. Uh, you know, No offense, Bill, you're, you're a friend, but it seems like he's constantly mining the Old Testament looking for further prophecies. And he kind of popularized this idea at the time that, well, Egypt in our day and age will be judged by God and exiled for 40 years. Again, I don't know how that fits in the prophetic timeline because the tribulation is only 70, uh, excuse me, seven years, and then we're into the millennial kingdom. We read about Egypt in the millennial kingdom. The Lord says that uh, he lists a number of nations that in the millennial kingdom, when Jesus rules and reigns from Jerusalem, the nations will go up to see Jesus. He'll teach them, and if they don't tabernacle with him on the Feast of Tabernacles, well, he'll cut off their reign to encourage them to to not rebel and come up to him. And Egypt is one of those nations listed. So we know that Egypt, Israel, Syria, or Assyria, and Russia will be nations during the, God's millennial kingdom. And Egypt is one of them. So I don't think Egypt will be desolated for the 40 years. I don't see this prophecy coming again, at least in the 40 years. We know from the Psalm 83 war that Israel will subdue Egypt and its surrounding neighbors. And that's why there's a hole in the Gog-Magog war prophecy, which folks will get to in Ezekiel 38 and 39. Don't worry about that now. So I don't see myself a farther interpretation that this 40 years is a literal 40-year exile during our time period. But Bill and others have argued that during the millennial kingdom, Egypt, even though the Lord might have to cut off their water at times so they don't rebel and they'll they'll come up to—because he wants to have fellowship with them— that they'll be exiled during the millennial kingdom for 40 years, but hey, we'll be living in the millennial kingdom, we'll find out firsthand, right?
0: Absolutely, Nathan, and, and I and I totally get it. There's some individuals that they uh, feel to look at a certain portion of scripture in a certain way. I kind of just like the idea that if scripture is silent. I'd rather stay silent because I'm not 100% sure. Uh, and, and one of the things that we find, it also has to do with, uh, you know, a generation. Well, how many years is a generation? And the Lord spoke about this generation and we've had, uh, a lot of discussion also with different Bible, good Bible prophecy teachers about how long is a generation? How many years the Lord is going to return to my generation? Well, uh, I feel a generation is 50 years or 75 years, but then if those things don't come to pass, what is that going to do to people that are listening? I'd rather say I'm not 100% sure. I do know the Lord is coming. I know certain things we can say for sure. Other things we just have to wait and see. Right, Nate? <laughs> well said.
1: That's, that's a guiding light to guide us in our interpretation. The reason that Vic and I can look at chapter 30 and say that it's not only a a near prophecy that happens during the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, but because it points to the day of the Lord, that that is a... A term, an Old Testament term, that means a day of God's judgment. But specifically, the day of the Lord is always a reference to what's called Daniel's 70th week prophecy, a seven-year tribulation that the Lord is going to bring to this earth, like the flood was, to judge not just a little area, but the entire world for its sins. So there is a near interpretation of, of Egypt and these other nations of North Africa falling during the time of Nebuchadnezzar, But because of this prophetic language here, we know that this will happen again. And we know it will happen again because Psalm 83 tells us, Ezekiel 38 and 39 tells us, uh, current events tell us that these hostile Islamic nations that are coming against Israel will be judged. Uh, The Lord says in, in Genesis that Israel is the apple of his eye. Anyone that pokes Israel basically pokes the apple of God's eye and God will judge them for it. In Egypt, you know, we look back at the uh, Yom Kippur War, for instance, existential threat to Israel. I mean, Israel could have been destroyed by Egypt at that time, uh, but the Lord miraculously helped them, of course, with the help of Nixon and others, to supply Israel. To, and Israel even went in almost as far as the Suez Canal and beyond, even into Cairo. They could have defeated Egypt, but the UN had them pull back. So there are prophecies that Egypt might be at peace currently with Israel, that it's a begrudging piece. If Israel had Egypt had its chance, it will attack Israel again, and I believe it will according to Psalm 83 verse. So this prophecy, to sum up, also has a farther view. Now, does it have a farthest view in the Millennial Kingdom? Like Vic said, we don't know. We'll have to wait to that time period to find
0: out. Now, absolutely. And Nathan, what we can see is the accuracy of Bible prophecy, because here we have this being written, uh, what, over 3,500 years ago. I can't even place how long this is. But yet here it is described for us that Egypt will be around in the future. So it speaks about the far future prophecy. But now as we pick it up in verse 10, it sort of brings it right back to the time that Ezekiel is writing pertaining to what's going on during their time, mentioning Nebuchadnezzar. Nate, will you be able to read for us verses 10 through 14 and then I will pick it up in verses 15 through 19 in case someone doesn't have a Bible right
1: and I didn't want to leave anyone hanging I went to Easton's Bible dictionary to look up Chubb you can only find Chubb here in Ezekiel 30 verse 5 uh, people uh, the historians don't know what Chubb is they assume it was a, probably a people of North Africa n- near the land of Egypt who made alliances with Egypt but they don't exist today so there we go that's Chubb. <laughs> It I love like that Do you remember during the, the riots in Portland, they they made what Chaz? You know, kind of their own self-proclaimed little little nation. That's what Chubb sounds like here, but anyway, I digress. So uh, <laughs> 10 through 14, here we go. Thus says the Lord God, I will also make a multitude of Egypt to cease by the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. He and his people with them, the most terrible of the nations, shall be brought to destroy the land. They shall draw their swords against Egypt and fill the land with the slain. I will make the rivers dry and sell the land into the hand of the wicked. I will make the land waste and all that is in it. By the hand of aliens, I, the Lord, have spoken. Thus says the Lord God, I will also destroy the idols and cause the images to cease from Noth. There shall no longer be princes in the land of Egypt. I will put fear in the land of Egypt. I will make Pathros desolate, set fire to Zoan, and execute judgment in No.
0: Verse 15, I will pour my fury on sin. The strength of Egypt, I will cut off the multitude of no and set fire in Egypt. Sin shall have great pain. No shall he, excuse me, no shall be split open and no shall be in distress daily. The young men of Avin and Pi, Besses shall fall by the sword and the city shall go into captivity at at to that's a hard one, that they shall also be darkened when I break the yoke of Egypt there and her arrogance strength shall cease in her. As for her, a cloud shall cover her and her daughter shall go into captivity. Thus, I will execute judgment on Egypt. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. A- amazing passage, Nathan. And you're right. Here are some names that I, we're hearing kind of like for the first time. Right.
1: And again, Ezekiel is only giving the names of the countries at his time period. Obviously, he doesn't know their future names, especially when we get to Ezekiel 38 and 39. We're going to have to mine those prophetic names of those towns. But since Egypt is so ancient and has kept its name Egypt for so long, we we know at least historians know what these nations and cities are. Noph is is ancient Memphis. So most people are familiar with Memphis. So that's the old name for Memphis, Noph. Uh, no is Thebes. Uh, let's see, we got Sin here. Sin is Pelusium. Uh, we can go down to, uh, let's see, Avin. Avin is Heliopolis or On. That's its ancient name. Uh, let's see, Tahaphanes. If I can press, still the same. Tophanes. And uh, let's see, I think that's it. So a lot of these ancient names have more equivalents. Most people recognize Memphis and Thebes as more contemporary names for those ancient cities, but those were the names during Ezekiel's
0: time. I love that. And Nathan, one of the things here that we notice is really that the details behind God's prophetic word What he says is going to happen will happen. Here we're describing the fall of Egypt in detail. And not only that, but the next chapters actually give us even more details in terms of what was happening in Egypt and the lands around it, according to Ezekiel. In every one of these passages, what we find is that there's warning signs from the Lord. The reason why he brings about this judgment, these catastrophes, the things that the people were into, the idolatry. And God hates idols. God uses oftentimes other nations to discipline nations. He's disciplining God's people. And maybe today again, you're finding yourself in a similar situation where you don't understand what's going on in your life. There's challenges coming at you. There are things that are falling into place. And I believe that God might be wanting to get your attention because God loves you and He has a wonderful plan for your life. And we want you to know that if you if you're finding yourself in a situation where you feel like you're fighting against God, we want to say to you, stop and consider your direction. Think about your future. You don't want to find yourself in a position to God. You want God to be on your side. And as we mentioned in our previous programs, the way that you get on God's good side is through our relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. And we want to invite you to open your heart and your mind to allow the Holy Spirit to come and live and indwell in you so that you will be on the right side. And again, Nathan, for someone who maybe finds themselves in a position with God, but they have a desire to draw closer to God, how might they begin that journey even today?
1: What's fascinating is we read about the fall of these nations. And again, why are these nations falling? It's because their pride and idolatry, uh, their evils, their, their many sins and rebellions is uh, similar to our own. I mean, if if a God of the universe can take down these na- ancient nations, I mean, Egypt, thousands and thousands of years old then what chance do us as individuals to stand up against the living God? We have no chance. But the same thing that separated these ancient peoples from the Lord separates us from the Lord, our own pride, our own pride of life, our own desire to run our own lives, even if we're running them into the ground. Our love of sin, our love of evil, our rebellion is destroying us, and God doesn't want us destroyed. He wants us to reconcile with him, to live that righteous life, to— to, live, to, to work and and be sanctified and justified before him. And, and eventually when we get our glorified eternal bodies, that we no longer have the sin nature and we can live in that perfect, righteous relationship with the Lord. And the God made that possible, John 3, 16 tells us, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And so the Lord gave his own son, Jesus Christ, to die as a sacrifice on the cross. He put himself on the cross to die in our place. And he beat death by resurrecting from the dead. And when you put put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and his saving work on the cross, you will be saved. Your sins will be forgiven and you will inherit eternal life. You will no longer be at war with God. Uh, You will be at peace with God. So pray from your heart. If you don't know Jesus yet, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I've been living in rebellion against you. Please forgive me and become the Lord and Savior of my life. Your sins will be forgiven, the guilt will be washed away, and you will inherit eternal life forever.
0: Well, thank you, Nathan. And that is great news. And listen, wherever you are tuned into today's podcast, whether you're on Pray.com or social media, maybe you prayed that prayer and you meant it from your heart. Maybe you're walking down a hallway. You were listening to the program and you felt God tug at your heart and you invited him in. We want to say congratulations to you. We would love to hear from you we would love for you to give us a call or text us at 305-992-9537. Let us know that you came to Christ and we would love to send you a Bible and a study guide so that you can grow in your relationship with Jesus. And Nathan and I will be rejoicing and saying, hallelujah. So again, we are so encouraged by what God is doing today. He is the hope of the future and the hope for the church and the hope for the nation. So we just have to continue to keep our eyes on him. Nathan, like